At the University of Arizona Bio5 Institute, we bring together hundreds of multifaceted experts that include world-class bioscientists, engineers, physicians, and computational researchers. This team science approach is designed to ignite creative solutions to the many complex biological challenges facing our families and communities, and has resulted in disease prevention strategies, promising new therapies, innovative diagnostics and devices, and improved food sustainability. Hello and welcome to another episode of Science Talks, a conversation hosted by the Bio5 Institute at the University of Arizona. My name is Lisa Romero. With metabolic processes being a complicated aspect of biology, it takes specially trained scientists with a respect for the multidisciplinary approaches um, to tackle the science and the innovation related to this area. Today, we're excited to be joined by Dr. Ashley Snyder, an Associate Professor of Nutritional Science and Cancer Biology at the U of A. Having received her PhD in Pharmacology and Toxicology, Dr. Schneider aims to understand more about fatty acids and their effect on inflammation and gastrointestinal diseases, including colorectal cancer. She is a member of the Bio5 Institute and most recently was selected a 2022 Women of Impact recipient um, from the University of Arizona's Research Innovation and Impact uh, Enterprise. And, and that was based on um, her commitment to the university's mission and values, um, application of skills towards discovery and innovation, uh, enrichment for our community and the empowerment of others to ensure lasting change. And that falls light, right in line with our, our Bio5 mission. So Dr. Dr. Schneider, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I'm gonna start off with this. I saw that you got your bachelor's degree in marine biology, is that correct? That's right. Um, I went to the And university. you're doing a lot of that in Tucson, Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I did my undergrad in marine biology at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington and fully intended to go to grad school in marine biomedicine and through a series of random events ended up here at the University of Arizona studying fatty acids and gastrointestinal diseases so I, I mean are you do you want to riff on those sort of random things that that led you here a little bit sure, and sure. talk about what you know where that intersection ended up you know occurring and, and took you on this new path Sure. So um, I did. I took a couple of opportunities in undergrad to do some research. I was really interested in um, population genetics, uh, echolocation in dolphins. I broad interest, maybe some field research, maybe some basic research, and applied to the Medical University of South Carolina for their marine biomedicine program. And I got in and. Um, the program was a little longer than I anticipated and um, it just the mentor relationship that I thought was gonna be there wasn't. So I rotated through a couple of other labs and um, I, I did a gene therapy lab, a stem cell lab, and then a cell signaling lab, um, looking at specific lipids in ovarian cancer. And I was really struggling to, to choose a lab and to choose a path for the rest of my career. And I got maybe the best advice I've ever gotten in, that, in my career. And that was choose a mentor that you wanna be like. 
And so I ended up in the laboratory of Kay Meyer and um, we studied uh, a, a lipid called lysophosphatidic acid um, and how it influenced uh, growth in ovarian cancer. So, and then the lipid signaling carried on throughout my postdoc and, and junior faculty. And that was actually what led me to be recruited here to the University of Arizona. That's a very cool story, first of all. And I, I love that, um, you know, that learning moment of how incredibly important mentorship is. Um, you know, I know we'll get to that in a little bit, how you're sort of pay, you've been paying that forward ever since, because I know you do. I know it's very meaningful to you to um, share your experience and have somebody else be able to benefit from that as well. Um, that, but that's a, that's a great story. I mean, and I think it's, it's been really interesting as we've done these podcasts it's, and I probably wouldn't have guessed necessarily which of which, which would, was going to be which, but we've had some, um, of our, our scientists that are like, I knew from the day I was born, <laughs> you know, I knew exactly. And I have done every step that, you know, I've taken every logical step and done everything. And, and there are a few of those. There's not yeah. very many. There's yeah. not very many. And I love this kind of a story because this is kind of real life, right? You know, yeah. you most of us don't have that linear journey. Um, we have, yeah, meet people along the way that that impact us and or just random things pique our interest and it ends up leading us in a whole new new direction. So I love that story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, and I, the more I talk and, and share that story with other people, it's nice to hear that there are a few who this was their direct track, but not many. <laughs> not many, not many, but that's a good, that's a great one. Definitely marine. We have not had a marine biology origin story yet. So I love that. Um, so, I mean, you know, we're fast forwarding through a lot um, to today, but I'm really fascinated um, by the space you're working in today. Uh, as someone personally who struggles with, um, as many, many of us do it, it to some degree, but a lot of, a lot of stomach issues and, and in this interesting job that I have where I probably know a little too much to just be dangerous because I'm not a scientist, um, with information, but you know, this, this whole area of inflammation and just everything, how, how, how this metabolic process just really impacts every function of our body and our, and our life. And um, so talk a little bit about your work today. I mean, what you're working on and, and sort of what that means to somebody, you know, like me or, or somebody else that, you know, searching for answers. Right. So um, I'm part of the Precision Nutrition and Wellness Initiative. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're trying to get at is, is, uh, figuring out how to make foods work to make us work better. So my lab is really interested in the dietary fats that you eat and how they feed into our lipids of interest, which are sphingolipids. Um, and most everyone, whether they realize it or not, knows about sphingolipids. Um, I was you... hoping you would pronounce that before I had to. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, it ceramides are in a lot of skincare products. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that is one of the hubs of sphingolipid metabolism. And so we're really interested in how the, your diet feeds into that pathway and then what that does to gut health, whether it the, if we can tweak the pathway by turning enzymes on or off, can we um, 
shuttle more towards an anti-inflammatory phenotype, or if we have an overexpression of some enzymes in that pathway and instances of inflammatory bowel disease or colorectal cancer, does that increase inflammation and increase disease? Um, and so that's really what my career has been focused on as an independent scientist is those en enzymes and their roles in, in inflammatory bowel disease and colorectal cancer. And coming here to the University of Arizona, we've really jumped into the nutrition aspect of that and how what we eat drives uh, the generation of lipids in our bodies and what that does. Yeah, that is like really so important today because I mean, you know it and, and but I think a lot of people just go about their life and maybe like me, they think they're eating pretty healthy. I mean, I, I've always thought, oh, I, you know, I don't, I don't drink soda and I, I don't like go gorge myself on a bunch of cookies. So I'm eating healthy, you right. know, and, and I've tried, but then, you know, as I struggled again, sort of with some of the things in this area that have plagued me over mm -hmm. the past two years, I realized like, it's so much more than that. And, and, you know, it's about the ingredients and again, just how they interact with your body and, I, it makes a huge difference, but people don't understand or know that. It really does. And that's actually kind of how we got into this field. So I started um, 15, 16 years ago, looking at these enzymes and their role in inflammatory bowel disease. I have a family member with Crohn's. And so that's really what gave me the personal impetus to start studying this. And we really are not at a place yet where we're getting there. We're better than we have been, but we're not at a place yet where we can say, eat this, don't eat that. Some things we can, I mean, for sure, but um, what we're really hoping to do is be able to say to folks or to people who are suffering with these diseases that we know that these dietary fats do this and maybe in conjunction with this um, and our medicine, like we can prescribe foods as medicine and, and kind of as, as a, an adjunct or an additive to their current therapies to maybe um, increase their duration of remission um, and improve their quality of life. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think uh, is is a path in which we can make conversations like that about nutrition, about the things we eat, about the things that we put in our body, um, sort of gain momentum to be uh, equally important in a conversation about solutions and um, treatments and things like that as somebody says oh I just will go pop a an acid or something right like I mean you know again think people think that the, the band-aid stuff is going to help and sometimes it does a little bit but that's not that's not the solution right so how do we start making you know people that aren't necessarily around science and scientists that actually have the benefit of hearing this stuff and being like oh my god like I how do we start having that as part of the mainstream conversation along with medications? Right, so that's a really good question. And I think we're starting to have that conversation, but like you said, in more of a medical or a science uh, environment. But we are looking at, we as the field, not we in my lab, but we as the field are looking more at precision nutrition really in, in diseases like inflammatory bowel disease in specific cases uh, of precision medicine for cancer patients. Um, I, th I think as a whole, we're getting there with nutrition. We just have to 
find a better way to disseminate information in a readily available um, package for uh, the general population to understand and make that more widespread and more available rather than in just those um, scientific or medical instances. Right. And I'm sure it's, you know, added complications with, you know, segments of population that just don't have the same access to knowledge, much less, you know, healthy foods and, and a way to understand how it impacts them individually. And I mean, I know that there's a lot of efforts at, at the U of A and I'm sure I know you, you know, your um, initiative is, is focused on that piece as well as how do we not just put it out there, but how do we make, you know, this kind of information and, and these tools accessible to populations that, you know, aren't as easy to reach or, or influence. Exactly. And then you get into that on top of that, you have gene, gene diet interactions, and that's a whole big part of the precision nutrition and wellness aspect. We don't study that in my lab, but we study that in the collective space that we share here in Bio5. So um, that's a, another aspect where you need, it's the precision point of this and how can we make this individualized but accessible to all. Yeah, that's really one of the things I love the most about Bio5 and, and the U of A really broadly is they do, you know, even broadly at the university, they really do, um, you know, walk the walk um, in terms of actually creating unique philosophical and physical spaces that allow people to, to really come from these different places and put all those pieces together. Um, but I think the precision, you know, wellness nutrition initiative is so important because of, of that exact thing. I mean, you all are from, you know, all different perspectives and I know, you know, several of you fairly well and it's like, wow, like this is what we need. You know, mm -hmm. this is the kind of, of discussion and science that we need to be talking more about. For, for prevention, not just treatment, right? But for that's the goal of any medicine. Yes, absolutely. Prevention. Yes, yeah. if we can uh, keep it from happening to ever to begin with, then yeah, uh, that's um, an ounce of prevention. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, I mean, let's go back to, I think this idea of mentorship that really changed your trajectory. I mean, completely, it sounds yeah. like, um, and, and, you know, led you to this other um, path that you now become passionate and, and accomplished and will, you know, do really meaningful things for people. But I mean, talk about how that works in your lab and, and with you today, again, that concept of paying it forward um, and the areas that really is, are most meaningful for you in doing that today. Right, so um, I mentioned my PhD mentor who kind of taught me how to be a strong independent scientist um, because that's who she was. Uh, and I started with her at the Medical University of South Carolina and moved with her to Washington State to finish my PhD. Um, and when it came the opportunity for me to um, move places and do a postdoc, um, I ended up in the laboratory of Lena Obeid, um, a, a very, um, influential uh, woman physician scientist who taught me kind of how to be who I am today, how to ask the right questions and how to write grants and how to mentor students. And, and I really was part of a, a large collaborative group where that's we had the opportunity to mentor undergraduate and graduate students and each other and realized that um, colleagues and friends and mentors and mentees can always kind of be the same people. Um, and so I, I really try and use that 
um, mentorship that I received as a, a guidance for how I work with other people in my lab and, and within our unit and within our school and UA at large. Um, I have several students in my lab. We meet at least once a week uh, as a group. And then I meet individually with everyone, um, you know, at, every other week. Um, at least usually we'll run around the lab around 4.30 or five o'clock and see what everyone did for the day. And um, do they have any questions? We want to sit down and look at some data or, or answer questions and things like that. And that's comes from the mentors that came around at 4.30 or five o'clock at the end of the day. And okay, hey, what'd you guys do? Um, and so I try and, be present for my students. Um, and I think that is a really important aspect. Um, sometimes I'm more present than they want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the lab teaching them how to do things, which actually I think they enjoy, um, I joke. But, um, you know, and then just provide them with the framework that they need, the knowledge that they need, the resources that they need. Um, to become successful. And um, I've had the opportunity to work with a couple of um, different programs um, here at the university. One of my favorites is the Women in STEM, Women in Science and Engineering. It's the WISE program. Yeah. And um, I, I really enjoy mentoring young women um, in science. And we're not, we're becoming more an equal in the room instead of the minority. It's really kind of stark as a junior investigator when you're one of three women in the room. Um, and it, it's, I never felt different or less than, just um, it, it, it's nice to see representation and, yeah. and provide that sometimes for, for um, students and, and technicians and people in the lab. And so I really try to be present, I'd answer what they need and provide what they need. And so, and that's the way I was mentored and it, I hope it works, so. Well, I'd say they're pretty lucky um, in anybody that has that kind of dedication and just, again, willingness um, to share and be, you know, side by side with these students, you know, I mean, I, I didn't have that type of experience in college at all. And I mean, I think it would have made a whole world of difference again, and maybe it would have showed me what I didn't want to do but it very well could have showed me um, something I didn't even know existed, which is, you know, I guess sort of your origin story as well. But that is students that have that today that have that from you, from somebody they admire and look up to and um, want to learn more from. It's just a really big gift, I think. Yeah. And that's, I try and encourage students to try it whether it's research in my lab or an internship or something, just try it. That's also how I figured out that field research probably wasn't gonna be my favorite thing. <laughs> um, and, and really led me more towards a molecular yeah. um, focus at doing population genetics in a lab. Um, but yeah, just try it, see if you like yeah. it. If you like it, do it again. If you don't, no harm, no foul. So. Yeah, because if you don't try it, you really don't know what it is. Exactly. I mean, you can think you know what it is, but you don't. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Um, so, and I think you learn, again, I think as just in people, we learn our biggest lessons, you know, biggest lessons from those types of situations too. Absolutely. Not just, not just the ones that are obvious, but, um, you know, the ones that maybe don't work out or we don't like and, uh, you know, again, or we find out something new and it, it's very cool. So thank you for that. It, you know, I think, again, the University of Arizona, I, again, I 
I am not a faculty member or a scientist, but I think just across the board, I, I noticed this even in sort of areas I work in is, um, again, does a pretty good job of, of that type of access. And the integration of, um, you know, Dr. Barton, who's the director of BioFive, uh, one of her, the biggest things that we talk about as an institute and that really is driven from her vision is not talking about um, research and innovation, uh, the, that mission of BioFive separately from our training and education mission. It is intertwined. So we, you know, we are training the next generation scientists because they're working on science today and they are furthering the field um, and you know, keeping our senior people on their toes, and and the two don't exist in academia without each other. And I think that's a a, a newer way to approach it, um, but it's true. You know, I have that conversation with the students in my lab all the time. That this is a reciprocal arrangement. That you're in here doing the science and learning the new things, and then we get together and we think about different ways we can take it. And by the time you're done, you're actually going to be the one driving most of it. And so it's um, see one, do one, teach one, or the student becomes the master. Um, yeah. Kind of, yeah, that's yeah. the way I like to see things go. And so that's what we aim for. Yeah, that's great. Are you, do you do you actually teach too? I do outside of the log. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess lecture when asked typically, yeah. uh, just so I can get access to students. And I really enjoy face-to-face -face instruction. Um, I hadn't had to teach very much before I came to the university of Arizona. And, um, the first two years, first 18 months were COVID. So <laughs> online teaching was not my strongest suit. I can, yeah. I can, probably have developed better skills since then, but really being in the classroom is a lot of fun. Um, I teach a journal club course every spring. It's called Emerging Topics in Precision Nutrition and Wellness. And we, I poll the students the first week of class and kind of get a feel for what they want to learn about. We have some key, key things that we're going to learn, but then we also read papers and discuss and present in an a, a open forum type format and I really want them to be reading things that they're interested in and passionate about and that goes back to the mentorship that was one of the first things that I I joined Lena's lab as a postdoc and she said okay well find things that you're passionate about because if you're passionate about it you're going to work harder and be more fulfilled in what you do and so I also try and, and pass that along to my students in the classroom and in the lab yeah absolutely um you're right. Passion, passion uh, trumps uh, most things um, on any given day. So that's that's a really great tip. So um, one thing we really like to to ask about is I would touch on it a little bit about is about sort of roadblocks or failures or you know I think the, the pace of science sometimes is not something people are expecting. <laughs> so the slower pace of science are, is not what it's expected, um, to put it mildly, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, how do you, how do you integrate that into not, not only what, how you're, you're training and, and mentoring people, but in, in your, in your own lab and your own work? I mean, how do you, what's your go-to process for sort of mitigating roadblocks and, and challenges that come up um, as, as you're going through and, you know, trying to achieve these research goals? Right. So it's funny that you 
say failures because um, academic science is full of those. Um, but what I try to do is in my own uh, career trajectory and then what I instill in my students is just perseverance. Mm -hmm. um, I submitted many, many grants before I got my first um, independent investigator grant. And it really is just a process of perseverance and listening to what other people have to say and asking and seeking that advice. Um, to not be afraid to ask for what you need and then expect to receive it in some form or fashion, <laughs> um, at least within reason. And so really the, just to persevere um, and then to also plan ahead. So, um, and this is, I, I think, important for me to sustain the growth of my lab and sustain the, the funding and sustain the students. Um, but it's also really important for the students to plan ahead. Some of our experiments are 24 weeks long or um, 21 days long. And either way, that's a huge investment of time and energy into an experiment. And so plan ahead and know that you have the things that you need to make the end of that experiment successful. Um, and so, and I'd let them fail. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable for all of us, but they need to fail in order to know what that feels like. One from a, a personal um, anxiety type place, um, because a, a lot of students who come into a PhD program or into an honors program or into an higher education may not know what it really feels like to fail. No. And um, the first grant application you submit, you're probably going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but then, you know, okay, so how could we do this differently? So then we, we build back and, and okay, this didn't work. What, did, what could we do to make it better or different or improve our methodology or improve the way we think about it? Um, can we plan better? Did we just forget a step and need to make sure that that's written in our notes? Um, do you need some more training? You know, right. I'll go in the lab and help you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I really just persevere, plan ahead, and we're all going to fail at some point. So be not comfortable with that uncomfortableness, but learn from it and, and keep going, I guess. So yeah. I, I think the most important thing of everything you said is, you know, the lessons come from failing for all of us in life, but I think the ultimate lesson as you're describing it, at least in the people that, that, you know, you're teaching and mentoring is not just the lesson in failure, but the lesson that you have a, um, a net under you when you fail. So you're providing the net and the safety um, safe space yeah. to fail. And I think so often we go, you got to fail to succeed. And we let people fail, but we don't provide the net. And right. I, I love that that's how you describe it because you have to have that safe space to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, um, it's tough for some students and other yeah. students. Um, but then that's also like what I'm trying to build is this lab family where we fail and help each other and and collaborate and and work together and support each other and so yeah yeah, yeah. and you're all human beings and exactly. you know you're yes. balancing life and work and all those things we all have to try to yeah try to figure out yeah and well yeah no go ahead I'm sorry I was gonna say that's I also one of the first things I tell students when they join my lab is you're gonna make mistakes I just need you to be honest about them 
because if we don't know where something went wrong, we can spin our wheels for quite some time trying to figure that out. And so um, typically my lab manager will come in and be like, oh, something this and this. I'm like, that was me. <laughs> Which is why they don't always love it when I'm in the lab. I sometimes make a mess. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to be willing to say, oh, you know what, that was me. I'm really sorry. Or, oh, you know, I don't think I did that that step. And and maybe if I go back and try again and, and make sure that I wrote that down and do it again, that the next one will be successful. But you, have, you need to be um, willing to also accept and, and admit yeah. mistakes. Yeah. And again, that's a great gift to, for them because, you know, they just see that even at your level or at any level, we all do it. Right. Yes. And it's always going to be okay. Exactly. Um, so that's a, a big gift. Well, that's, that's amazing. I love that approach. And again, it's something that's so meaningful for us here at Bio5 is, is integrating those two things, this excellent science that really makes a different for, difference for people, but also, um, you know, this, this, this idea of bringing people alongside you to do that and, and preparing them for their future, um, you know, work. And um, I love, I love the way that you've described that. It's really meaningful. Um, so, uh, I guess we kind of like to end with, this is just a kind of interesting one to me. I, I always like to see what people say to this, but if I had to ask you in one word, what does science mean to you? That's tough. <laughs> it is. Um, I it know. is. Um, fun awesome yeah that's it should be one. fun um it should be. yeah you should be surrounded and that comes also into the choose a mentor that you want to be like be in a lab space where you're happy and um again the passion will cut like that all kind of feeds into it being fun yeah um, and not every day is fun <laughs> but um really it's fun for me when i see a student say oh, i got it <laughs> Um, and they got the one piece of data that's the last piece that goes into a manuscript or something they've been really struggling or something's just not working and we can't figure out why. And then it, there's just a light bulb or a click and everything. And, and that's fun. And it's fun yeah. for them too. And um, we are building a lab where it's a, a fun environment. And I think that makes students want to be here more. They want to learn oh, yeah. more. They want to engage and interact. And, and so we try and keep it fun. Yeah, I love that. So um, what's kind of next on the radar with your, your work to give us sort of a, like, you know, what you're immediately working on towards sort of something that's going to be kind of a really um, interesting, interesting development. Right. So right now we're really interested in the fats that are in milk and how they play a part in your digestive health, for lack of a better term. Um, we're looking at that in models of inflammation. Um, we're looking at that in, in normal, healthy controls. Um, we're looking at how that feeds into our lipids of interest and what those do. Um, and I, I think in the next five to 10 years, we'll have a solid feel on how those fatty acids that are in milk or olive oil or uh, butter, which is also the same as milk, um, how that feeds into what we're interested in and what that does to for gut health. And can we maybe start um, adding more milk into our diet 
or maybe we don't need as much milk as we thought we did. Um, don't get me wrong. It's not that simple. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but because milk provides other things besides fat, right. but um, really, can we look and then maybe can we look at ways that in which we can use the things that are in milk or the fats that are in milk and what else, what other food sources can we add to, to build into that puzzle and how can we um, start to maybe protect from some of the inflammatory phenotypes that we look at. Um, we also are looking um, in an, another related type model at potential um, biomarkers in colorectal cancer. And I think that um, work has the potential to be very powerful. Um, and we have some uh, great clinical data and um, some tools and models that uh, others don't quite yet have access to um, that we're gonna use to start answering some of those questions. Well, that's really exciting. I, I look forward to seeing those steps as they unfold. And um, again, I think this work is so so meaningful and in a, in a different way than I think, again, we're used to in the space of just therapies and treatments and medicines. And I, I think this is so important and I'm really, excited to follow along as, as these, these things come to be discovered and, and see what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I could talk to you forever. Um, but thank you again for all you do for, for, um, the U of A and bio five and, and our students. And, um, I really enjoyed talking to you and, and appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. So to our listeners, thank you for joining us today um, for another episode of Science Talks. For more information on the Bio5 Institute, visit us at bio5.org. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Science Talks. Continue the conversation with us next time as we learn more about the amazing science happening at the University of Arizona's Bio5 Institute.